Greetings, lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we're sharing an interesting topic with each other, and hopefully you'll find it interesting too. There is definitely some strong language in this one, um, at least in the top of this episode. I have a story to share, which will drop a bit of a bomb. So, listener, be advised. Nice. <laughs> so, I am Isela, one half of your host, and I am joined by the lovely Jose. How are you, Jose? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm not bad. Always um, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have a good week? Yeah, busy, but good. Can't complain. Busy is always good. That's what I always used to say. So today, we're going to talk about some of the most engaged fathers on the planet. Fathers, dads, whatever you want to call them. And we're going to talk about who they are, what makes them such good dads. We're also going to touch on some mental health and maybe like a possible impact from these strongly engaged fathers and maybe like what that might have as far as like a mental health impact from these wonderful relationships, really. So you, uh, you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. So first, let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh-oh. How has, yeah, we're going to get a little personal because we're <laughs> going to talk about dads. How do you not get personal if you're going to talk about dads? So how has your dad been with you? Like, what are some of the really nicest things he's done for you? I can definitely say that my relationship with my dad is stronger now than it was when I was younger. When I was younger, my dad was mostly working. So, I mean, I know that he loved us and he did, you know, whatever he could for us. But, you know, for the most part, you know, he worked and when he would get home from work, he kind of just wanted to, you know, do his, th his thing, watch TV, um, drink his beers. I think now that I'm older, you know, we can definitely converse more than we ever did as kids. I can really relate to you on that. My dad was always working overseas. So at least when I was um, growing up. So he wasn't really around to bond with him much. And then when he would come home, it was always like my mom would tell all the stories of like, oh, my God, just wait till your dad gets home. I'm going to tell him about this and that. And you're like, oh, no, you know, what I mean? <laughs> so he would come home and we hadn't even seen him in months and months. And all of a sudden he comes and just like lays down the law. We're like, oh, no, dad's in town. He's going to spank us. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that in my household as well. When my dad would get home, he would get the list of all the dumb things that I did throughout the day. The dumb things. That's funny. <laughs> well, we're just kids. That's just what we do. I get it. So now your relationship with your dad has changed and it's definitely closer than, right? Yes. Okay. That's really good. Same thing here. I know my dad's always kind of like willing to help, even if I don't even ask him to help. There was one time that I had just mentioned that the faucet was not, it didn't seal properly like you kind of had to move it a certain way and then the water would stop dripping and now that my dad's been retired for some time now he likes to do these cool little handyman things and I had told him I said oh well there's something wrong with my faucet and he's really funny he was like oh I'll go look at it you know I'll go look at it and this was pre-pandemic you know I was still going to work and stuff like that <laughs> and so he um he had come over while I was at work and when I came back I said, were you able to fix it? And he says, yeah, I couldn't really fix it. So I just bought you a new faucet. You owe me $90. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, uh, this wasn't really the help I was expecting, but okay. But my dad's always been like there for me. So I have to give it up. So do you guys also talk about your emotions? Like something's getting you down. Do you guys talk? Not at all. I think I've only seen my dad cry twice in my whole life. He's definitely the complete opposite of me. Like I cry practically after every movie that I watch. So um, 
And that's after Dumb and Dumber. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe not Dumb and Dumber, but um, we're so different, my dad and I, when it comes to, to our emotions. My dad, I think he was the opposite of how your dad is. But in a way, I kind of don't blame him because he kind of made me self-reliant. Like I remember one of the first times after my parents got divorced that I stayed over at his house, he told me, hey, mijo, um, do you have any dirty laundry or anything? And I was like, yeah, let me bring it. So I went upstairs and I got my clothes and I brought it downstairs. He's like, okay, I'm going to show you how to use the washing machine. I was expecting he was going to do the laundry for me. At a very young age, I knew how to use the, the washing machine and the dryer. Oh, wow. Do you remember how old you were? Maybe like 14 or 15. Oh, yeah, that is rather young. Okay. I remember the first time I got a flat tire, I was stranded in the middle of the freeway. I pulled over and I walked over to like the nearest gas station, which was, it had to be over a mile. It was their near executive. So tell me it was the dead of heat too. It was like the peak of the summer. It was getting there. I was on my way actually to a graduation. So get the flat tire. I go to the gas station. This is before cell phones. So I got a quarter. I went to the gas station. I called my dad. I told him, dad, I have a flat tire. He's like, oh, well, the instruction manual for the car is inside the glove box. So go back and read the instructions on how to change the tire. Oh, wow. And at the time, I was like, thanks, asshole. <laughs> Especially after I had walked over a mile in the heat, having to walk all the way back to do it myself. And again, I was going to a graduation, so I was dressed kind of nicely. So yeah, by the time I got to the graduation, I was all sweating and I had oil stains all over my shirt from where I was lying down on the street. You did not look fly anymore. Well, I didn't look fly to begin with, but, <laughs> you know, I guess you could say I looked less fly. Less fly. <laughs> wow. Well, you definitely learned a lesson. I mean, I understand the lesson that he's learning, but yeah, you're, you're right. A part of me thinks that it would be nice if he did show you and was at least kind of like, kind of like the coach behind you, like, okay, now I'll put this underneath where you see the little gap and then you're going to crank the jack or, you know what I mean? No, it's always kind of been like that. Like when I graduated from high school, my dad was like, so Mijo, what are you going to do now, now that you graduated from high school? Right. I was like, well, I think I'm going to go to college. He said, well, you better get a job because college is very expensive. I was like, oh, thanks, dad. I too paid for my own college and worked a full-time job while going to school full-time. It was not fun. But I think that that really built a certain character in us too, though. And I don't have any school loans. Like how fucking fantastic. Definitely. And I do appreciate that now, but, you know, while you're going through all that, going to school full-time, working full-time, getting home at 11 o'clock at night, being at school by 7 o'clock in the morning, you're back at school. You're like, this sucks, especially, you know, when you talk to your other peers that, you know, they're all going out to parties and doing all this fun stuff during college. And it's like, hey, do you want to go? I remember a lot of kids used to hang out at Hemingway's. So, you want to go to Hemingway's after class? Nope, I can't. I need to go to, need to, go to work. Yeah, I know. I was, I'm with you. When people in my class would talk about TV shows that were on or even funny commercials that they had seen, I was like from a foreign planet. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have time to watch that square that looks like a TV or whatever, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> rectangle. I, I was the same way. So then let's talk more like emotional support. So did he ever give you advice? Like, what was some of the best advice he's given you? Hmm, that might take me a while, too. Okay, I can share uh, one of mine and then while you're thinking of yours. Okay. My dad's always been there, like, for me emotionally, now as an adult. But, you know, before, like I said, he wasn't really around much. But 
I had just had my daughter and I had a friend back in that time where, you know, she and I were pretty close. But for some reason, after I had my daughter, she sent me a three page letter, handwritten letter. (laughs) Who does that? First of all, okay, that's like she really had something to get off her chest. So she wrote me a three page letter. You know, all, you know, very nicely saying our friendship had run its course, essentially, and how like it had changed ever since I had my daughter. I don't call her back when I see her missed call that I only text her back. Uh, hello. I just had a kid. Like, of course, my child is probably sleeping. I'm not going to have a conversation. <laughs> and I'm naturally loud to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, no, baby need to sleep. <laughs> um, and probably so did mama. But I remember telling my dad about this three-page letter. And in fact, he knew who she was, too. So I said, oh, yeah, this is, you know, what she sent. And and I said, can you believe it? And I remember telling him, I'm thinking I'm just going to write something back saying, of course, I have less time. But, you know, our friendship shouldn't change. And, you know, I was kind of like going into specifics how, like, you know, my availability, of course, was going to change. So I was going into, like, what I was thinking about responding. And then I told my dad, I asked my dad, I said, what do you think? And I remember he was like leaning back in his like rocking chair and he's like listening to me. And then he was like, fuck her. (laughs) And he said, (laughs) he goes, she's not family. He's like, don't even bother writing back. Oh my God. (laughs) I was laughing so hard. Mostly out of like the shock value. But then what he said was so dead spot on that I was like, you know what? I totally needed that brutal honesty. And I, and I never wrote her back, but These are the kind of like advice nuggets that my dad gives me. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was pretty priceless. Hopefully that gave you some time to think about maybe some great advice your dad shared. Usually the advice that I got was usually when I was being reprimanded for doing something. So I guess I had a tendency to act up a lot uh, just because we kind of lived a very sheltered life. I always went to private school. I wasn't allowed to play in the front yard. I could only play in the backyard. So I couldn't even hang out with like the kids from the neighborhood. Right. I acted up a lot just because I would get bored. So, you know, most of the advice I would get would just be like when my dad would be reprimanding me, like, uh, think things twice before you act, things like that, really. Yeah, yeah, but very useful things. So I, that, that makes sense. So um, let's, we can dive into who these great dads are that will be, um, I'll be sharing my little knowledge nuggets of my own. So these great dads are part of the Aka, A-K-A tribe. It's a pygmy tribe and they carry and cuddle their babies so much that they even use their nipples as pacifiers for their own babies. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I figured. I figured this would be a little bit of a shock value, but like this is kind of, it's kind of touching and like kind of shocking at the same time, right? Yeah. So these fathers in the Republic of Congo spend tons of hours with their babies and they were found to be just as nurturing and as playful as their mothers, which is so weird. When I was reading this article, I was like, I understand the words, but I don't understand the words together. (laughs) You know what I mean? So Barry and Bonnie Hewlett, they studied this specific tribe for decades in the Congo. Bonnie Hewlett studied specifically the father-child relationship, and then she also compared them to the dads in America and other Western nations, where, generally speaking, they are more emotionally detached 
And the mothers are viewed more as the guiders, the teachers, and they're definitely the ones that are more emotionally attached to the child. She saw that men in the Western world rock their babies strongly, almost shaking them in a playful manner. But it's a very aggressive kind of, uh, (laughs) I don't know, bonding, I guess. And she also said that she would witness a lot of men or fathers, really, throwing their child in the air as their version of, quote unquote, fun play. And she also said that this is definitely the Western dads and that Aka fathers don't really do this like at all, like ever. Children are cared for so much when they're babies. The babies never really touch the ground for the first full year. They're carried so much. Wow. Yeah, isn't that kind of cute? They are also never put to bed in another room for that first year. The whole year, they sleep in the same room. They receive constant attention and skin-to-skin contact, which parenting experts, they advise this close skin-to-skin contact to help like solidify these familial bonds from a really young age. And uh, these fathers were observed to spend, hold on to your hats here, 47 percent of their time with their kids. That is almost half of their time with their kids. Isn't that like, especially coming from like where we came from, is like so different. (laughs) And when they did spend this 47% of their time, it was never more than an arm's length away from their child. That's just how not only emotionally close they are, but they are physically close to their child. Once I read that stat, I was like, okay, yeah, not really impressed with the dads that like change a diaper here and there a couple of times, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) No, definitely. It's a huge difference um, between the cultures. Yes, which leads me to think about the correlation of the mental health, which we'll, we'll dive into in a little bit. And fun fact inside the fun fact, a very close second place are Swedish fathers who spend 45% of their time with their children. Shout out to the Swedes if we have any fans there. (laughs) That explains why they are some of the best death metal bands. Are they? In my opinion, they are. Most of my favorite bands are, or death metal bands specifically are from Sweden. I feel like that would actually be contradictory because then they don't have a reason to be upset. Whereas like death metal is like a lot of angst, a lot of anger. My dad didn't love me, you know? (laughs) Not necessarily. I was thinking about it more and being supportive because you have somebody to be supportive of you, somebody to encourage you. That's true. Yeah. And they flourish. Absolutely. Yes. Now now I get it. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking as a Westerner and now I see it in the more supportive, (laughs) the supportive uh, point of view. So this pygmy tribe, they're far more likely to kiss and cuddle their children than women, the mothers. To think that we probably know some people that have never heard their dads tell them the words, I love you, much less get a cuddle or a kiss from them. Are you kidding me? I know. I feel like this is opposite stay or something. It is, right? Like, what kind of a beautiful world would we really be living in if kids were fully emotionally supported from like both sides? And this is generally speaking, of course, there's always exceptions, right? So during the same long study from the Hewlett couple, they found that these fathers, not only were they less likely to play with their kids in a rough manner, but they were also way more likely to be emotionally open 
and get clues of the emotions on their face. Now, this is me inferring. I think this comes from knowing your child so well that any little contortion of their face and you're like, oh, something's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Micro expressions. There is a word for it. Okay, thank you. I was like, there's got to be a word for this. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. <laughs> 10 years of paying through college. Hey, oh, that's right. So you have, a, <laughs> you have a psychology background, right? I do. Don't use it often, but... But maybe this is another reason why you actually find this somewhat interesting. I don't have a psychology degree, but I always found it really interesting when my sister would tell me about her classes. Okay, so back to this. This tribe, they might actually have this all figured out because they really don't have any gender norms there. It's not like the men go do this, the women go do that. It was here are all the tasks we do as parents and they divvy them up that way, which I think is pretty fantastic. Now, in this tribe, the men do hold a leader position, so that doesn't necessarily change. But I think the difference here is, as leaders, they're okay with doing things that would be like a motherly thing to do. All right, so I think this is a good time where we can take a break, and then when we return, we will dive into a couple more personal questions and get your take on that. Sounds good. Give me a chance to cry. <laughs> You don't have to go through a boom tube to get a Gradney Goodness Tube Steak. 100% beef for 100% goodness. We have something to please even the snootiest of appetites. Try our classic hot dog or hot sausage for something that's filling while on the run. Or our beef patty when you want to enjoy your meat snack with two hands. And for our vegan friends, our hot pretzel is sure to satisfy. Our prices are something your wallet will also like. The all-beef Granny Goodness Franks are only a dollar, two for one seventy-five, and the hot sausages are only one fifty. Price and participation vary. Tax not included. See our food cards for details. Serving the Greater Central City Downtown Area. Member DCEU. All right, welcome back. Did you have yourself a good cry? I did. I had two good cries. No, you did not. <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned, I wanted to get into a couple of more personal questions as well. Have you ever changed a diaper? Just kind of curious about like your take now. I did actually for the one that I can remember the most is for my youngest sister. Okay. I want to say I changed her first diaper when we were at the hospital. Oh, so this was like really early initiation. I was in my early 20s. Wow, that's very cool. So along those same lines, when they told you or asked you, how did you feel about that? Did you have any kind of like gender norm type of feelings? It wasn't the most comfortable thing. Um, <laughs> I can say that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would be okay with it. I know you and I share the same thing about scents. Smells are big. <laughs> it would be more of a gross out thing. But I mean, I guess, you know, since it was the first time that she had gone, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So I think that's why it wasn't as traumatic as, uh, you know, maybe once they start eating solid foods and stuff. <laughs> that is absolutely true. So let's put yourself in a hypothetical situation. Let's say you had a son. That's very hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> you never know who might be out there. There's going to be a knock on your door. Hey, daddy. 
kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's say you hypothetically had a son. Your son fell down and scraped his knee. Would you offer to like kiss his boo-boo and like do those types of things, do you think? Oh, yeah, I would. Oh, that's really sweet. I didn't know that. I guess I would want to do things different just based on my experience. I would want my child to have the childhood that I never had. And I think all parents kind of say that, but I think a lot of parents kind of get trapped and become their parents. So I would want to really break that cycle just because I wouldn't want them to be all messed up like I am. You're not, <laughs> you're not messed up. <laughs> so I want you to tell me if this is too personal of a question. Who are you closer with, your mom or your dad? Maybe my mom, but it has definitely changed. I think my mom now, just because I feel like she needs me more. My dad's like remarried and, you know, he has a whole other family. So I feel like he needs me less. I mean, my mom is just her. So, you know, during the, the height of the pandemic, you know, she was really the only person I would go visit just because I know, you know, she needed like supplies. And, you know, if I didn't visit her, you know, she wouldn't be visited by anybody else. So I think that kind of made that bond even stronger. I mean, with my dad, he has a whole other family that he could depend on. So he didn't need me as much. Got it. That makes sense. I'm also a little bit, well, you know, what's funny is I think it might have flip-flopped. I was closer to my mom, but I think, again, that had everything to do with my mom being the most engaged with us as kids. And, you know, my dad is like really giving my mom a run for her money. And as far as like that <laughs> is concerned. But I ask you that mostly because, you know, general textbook uh, developmental psychology tells us that moms naturally form these bonds with their child from like the time they're in the womb to when they give birth. You know, after they give birth, they usually put them uh, on their chest for that skin to skin contact that I had mentioned earlier. And then breastfeeding, if the mother opts for breastfeeding, there's a lot of, you know, obviously there's skin to skin contact there. And then there's that release of the oxytocin and, um, you know, all these really uh, amazing things that happen from a really, really early age. And it gets me thinking that since men don't get to do this from the beginning, I think that's why also the attachment could be less strong. What do you think? It's possible. I think especially in our culture, for example, with my dad, he was raised very machista. My grandfather, pretty much whatever he said went. And, you know, nobody else really had an opportunity to share their opinion or to offer a different solution or anything contrasting. My dad kind of was the same way. I think he softened up a little bit with age, but really, you know, when he would tell us to do something, it got done. And if it didn't get done, then we would pay for it. It was an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean, at least he gave me the choice to select the belt that um <laughs> that he was going to use on me. <laughs> but yeah, most of the time I didn't have a choice. I don't know if it's so much the Mexican culture or or Western culture, but I think that has a lot to do with it. I think men are kind of forced to have a certain front, or they're supposed to behave a certain way. And it goes against those heteronormative roles when they don't. So even if they do feel like they want to cuddle with their kids or something, they feel like maybe they shouldn't because it goes against whatever heteronormative roles that they grew up with. So do you think this also plays into why, since moms are so like emotionally connected to the child, this is why they always do the whole like, I'm going to tell your dad. And the dad is a little less connected, so it allows him to kind of carry out these consequences. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know either. My dad claimed that he never liked doing it. Claims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but like five-year-old Jose right. kind of remembers different. I mean, not not that he was ever like smiling Smirking. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the doctor clothing. I could tell he didn't really get joy from it, but um, honestly, if he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have done it. That's kind of the way that I see that. I think that all that does is just raise another generation of people that are going to think the exact same way. And for a reason, that's kind of why I chose not to have any kids, just because I don't want to raise my kids the way that I was raised. You know, sometimes um, I don't really feel it anymore. I felt it more when I was younger, when a kid would annoy me or something. The instinct that I had was that I wanted to like slap them or hit them or something. And I recognized that early on that that's not a healthy feeling to have. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to raise my kids the same way that I was raised. Honestly, I grew up fearing my dad. I was scared to death of him. I think we all, and we, I mean, like, uh, at least like Mexicans in general, I know I got plenty of Mexican friends that are pretty much in the same boat. And I agree. I also really feared my dad, like coming home. I was like, oh my God, he's going like, that's it. Forget it. Yeah. And at the same time, it might be something that you mellow out with age on, you know, like I said, my dad, you see him now and he's like the sweetest man. Like you would never imagine that from him. And even in myself, you know, when somebody's bothering me or, or whatever, getting on my nerves, it's easier for me to dismiss it now than it was when I was younger. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think we weren't taught to talk out our feelings through our dad, for sure, because I know my dad never talked about his feelings, like ever. And he went to war, you know, he, I mean, we hardly ever hear him talk about it. And I feel like this is such a life changing, life altering event where you he could be giving us all kinds of amazing nuggets about this. You know what I mean? You, did your dad ever talk about his feelings? No. No. The only thing that he ever told us about the army was just when he got injured, but he never talks about like any of his experiences or the way that he felt. He gives us facts. That's so interesting. Having the knowledge of this particular tribe and all these wonderful fathers really made me want to see like what the real statistics looked like on mental health in the Congo. They don't have any statistics on that. <laughs> but my mind immediately went to these old school type of ideas of like these rebels with tattoos that said, mama didn't love me. And like, once mama doesn't love you, oh, forget it. Like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> I mean, like your life is screwed. Since there wasn't like really statistics on it, you know, we're obviously not going to go too deep into it, but I did do some research as far as stats here in the U.S. So enter Megan Gillian or Gilligan rather. She's an assistant professor of human development and family studies at Iowa State. She's also an Iowa State researcher. She led a study that revealed the strife with one's parents, specifically the mother and siblings, remains associated with symptoms of depression. That's why I think, like, wouldn't this mean that kids in this tribe, they would be less likely to be depressed? They already got this whole, like, gender norms things figured out. They have probably depression figured out. You know what I mean? And this is a tribe who doesn't have, like, all these fancy textbooks that we do. The roles should be reversed is kind of the way I was I was thinking about it. But one of the more interesting points that her study was revealing was that mothers and daughters have the most significant relationship and possibly troubling relationship, meaning that if there was tension between the mom and adult children, it predicted depression for these daughters. It was going to be way more likely than with their sons. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So I really do feel because moms are usually the emotional bedrock. And if you don't have that, at least in the West, in the Western society, you almost are at a huge disadvantage mentally. Could it be also because of what's valued more with that tribe as opposed to what's valued more in Western society? In a Western society, it's more of a capitalist society. You always hear the person that pulls themselves up by their bootstraps that started from nothing and became a billionaire that goes up into space in a phallic-looking rocket. <laughs> That's funny. But perhaps in those, um, those African tribes, being an entrepreneur is not what's valued. What's valued is family. So that's what they put most of their effort towards. That's a really good point. I almost wished I would have researched where that phrase comes from, the whole like pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of thing. But you're right. I think that has a lot to do with it. Like now we're almost praising the people that just like shut down your feelings and just keep going and keep going through it. And you're going to get to success and sex. I mean, I think that's another reason is success to us means like you have a big house. And what do you have a big house for? You're never there. You're always at work or something like that. You know what I mean? Very true. That's a very good point. This really highlighted an important thing that we could be missing. And I say we, it's in like people here in the Western countries, only because even our own shock of like hearing these fathers and how amazing they are, them splitting up the roles and the duties of both like child rearing and then everything else that's involved in like a family. I don't know. I think like we could really take a clue from these people. Definitely. I agree 100%. This concludes my knowledge nugget sharing. I thought you were going to say your therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may get up from the couch now. You owe me $250. I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, I honestly, I think being there emotionally for their children listening to them like vent i really believe even in the power of like venting i, I feel like that's really 50 percent of what like talk therapy is to begin with just getting it off your chest and then you're like okay that's out there okay now i can go live my life you know what i mean yeah i agree i don't know i haven't been to therapy but i figured that's kind of what it's like <laughs> neither have i i feel like i need to sometimes i think everybody needs to i mean how fantastic if everybody went to therapy and everybody got to vent. You wouldn't have to shoot anybody in the face now. <laughs> Just kidding. It's so awful. It's so awful and dark. <laughs> anyway, so you've done it again, folks. You've hung in there for another 30, 40 minutes of your day. And uh, hopefully you found this conversation just as fun. We hope that you enjoy us again next week for another episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere these awesome podcasts are sold. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on the Insta and the Twitter at greetingstac or email us at greetingstac at gmail.com. My favorite, we get to hear your voices and you can leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.